Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Good Friday to you and yours with Amber Wilson. I'm Freddie Coleman in for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance and ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, 6 x Channel 80, as well as TuneIn and your smart speakers. Hit us up anytime you want. We'd love to see what you and hear what you have to say at triple eight say espn 888-729-3776, especially when it comes to which quarterbacks going into the upcoming season in the NFL are in the best and worst positions to succeed. Hit us up at 888-729-3776. As a matter of fact, speaking of quarterbacks, in 10 minutes, you're going to get the what? Daniel Jones worry as the Giants quarterback in what could be his final season. That comes your way in about 10 minutes. But, yo, wait until you hear who compared Zach Wilson of the New York Jets to Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. That person, the man who used to go by Chad Johnson, then Chad Ochocinco, now back to being Chad Johnson. In an interview with Sports Illustrated last week, he said, Amber and I quote, Zach is extremely good. He has the it factor. Very Patrick Mahomes-ish. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but you watch his mechanics, his throwing motion, the way he moves. He's very Patrick Mahomes-ish. So I became a fan. Zach Wilson is going to flourish. He's going to flourish in New York. It's all about Jets head coach Robert Salah getting the right pieces around him. He and Elijah Moore this year, they're going to create magic, end quote. Wow. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's what I that's said. That's quite the comparison from Chad Johnson. I mean, I do think that Zach Wilson could take a step forward this season. It's a big question mark because we didn't see much from him in his rookie campaign. You are talking about Robert Sala having – another year of experience. Mike LaFleur having another year of experience in terms of that coaching staff. You are talking about the Jets improving in the offseason, and you're talking about a team that have that has invested really heavily at that wide receiver position. I mean, they've drafted three receivers in the first two rounds since 2020. They signed Corey Davis. They have tried to give Zach Wilson some weapons, and of course, those young weapons will presumably have developed. I don't know how it's going to pan out. I'm not expecting huge things from Zach Wilson and the New York Jets this season, but I do believe, Freddie, that he could take a step. This is your team. What mm-hmm. say you? Whatever step he's going to take, there won't be any excuses. Because, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, Amber, the NFL is no longer year to year or, or, or week to week. It's second by second. And especially the quarterback position, when the New York Jets sold everybody a bill of goods about Zach Wilson with the arm strength and the talent and this and this. So now they've really accelerated whatever production they're looking for by saying, hey, we've accelerated the pressure on you. If we believe in you enough, now we've given you more weapons. You you mentioned it. Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. They drafted Garrett Wilson. They got Titus and C.J. Ozuma, who can make plays down the middle of the field, and also Tyler Conklin as a part of a two tight end stuff that they can go to. They got running back Brees Hall out of Iowa State. He and Michael Carter will be in the backfield. So they have some guys that can make plays for and with their quarterback. They've accelerated the pressure on Zach Wilson. Now, from a moxie standpoint, sure, I trust that when it comes to Zach Wilson. But one of the things I know about quarterbacks and I've been able to see, it's not so much about the wild play. Can you make the simple play? On third and five, make that throw. On third and four, make that play with your legs. Don't wild me all the time the three-point shot. Make a live once in a while. And if we're having the same questions about Zach Wilson with the weapons around him in December this year like we had last year, that is going to be cause for concern, and it should be for the New York Jets and their fan base. 
Zach Wilson looks more mature this season. I don't know if that does anything for you to oh, make you on. feel better about you're the direction. The, this is you're not talking about the off-the-field stuff with mom and her friend, are you? Well, there's some of that, that too. You know, you? I don't know how you feel about that. He's made some headlines this offseason. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, you're going to learn. Maybe well, he's grown up a little bit throughout this process this offseason. What's the old line that if you can't love the one you want, love the one you're with? <laughs> <laughs> But the good, the good news is, Freddie, listen, a lot of people g- gained some respect for Zach Wilson with some of the rumors that were out there this offseason. Uh, the, ru- the good news is, the, I'm, trying, I'm trying hard to avoid you, this subject. You started. The good news is, Wilson, he looked better at the end of last season than he did at the beginning of last season. And that seems simple to say for somebody in their rookie campaign last season because mm-hmm. he was wildly erratic at times last season. But that is the good news. He did seem to be figuring things out better towards the end of the regular season. Still not close to what they need him to be. But you do think, see the areas where he could improve here as we head into this season. Like some of the problems that he had were struggling under pressure, especially when he was flushed out of the pockets to the left. Yes. Right? He took sacks too often. These sorts of mental mistakes that with a year under the helm now, you do feel like he could get better at, settle more into solid system moving forward, and he can correct some of those mistakes. We did see the talent at times, and that's really what mattered. Yes, there are things that he could absolutely approve on. He was very inconsistent last season, but Mm -hmm. you saw snippets of talent, I'd say at least half the time with him, where you do feel like he has the physical accolades to be a good NFL quarterback. And because of that, I think that there's reason for some optimism in New York. Yeah, There should be reason for optimism because he's going into year two. You're hoping that that optimism, and to your point, other than the last game, that he played against Buffalo. Nobody played well. He was 7-20. to He got sacked eight times. Guys didn't want to be there. As hard as they played for Robert Salah the first 16 games, guys just wanted to go home. And the offensive line played like it against the Buffalo Bills. But he kept battling. He kept fighting. So I trust that he want, that he's going to get better. He should get better. And not just because of the weapons or additional pieces that they've been able to put around him, Amber, but the fact you expect that from a second-year quarterback in the NFL. The problem with Zach Wilson is twofold. Number one, playing in that city when it comes to New York. And we've seen they can be very unforgiving when it comes to quarterbacks or really superstars in New York. Number two, look at all the quarterbacks in the AFC. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Justin Herbert with the Los Angeles Chargers. Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens. What, Josh Allen the Buffalo Bills. Mac Jones with the New England Patriots. They're, Trevor Lawrence with the Jacksonville Jaguars. There are a lot of young dudes that people look at and say, yep, they're going to be better. Even though they may not be in better situations, they're going to be better. And the jury is still out on Zach Wilson because the Jets have told people he can be a great quarterback and people are still worried that he may want to fall on his face and drag a franchise down with him if he's not able to produce what we've seen with other young quarterbacks so far in their NFL careers. Well, hold on. You just mentioned Trevor Lawrence when you're rattling off all those names. And do you know Trevor Lawrence is going to be better than Zach Wilson? I don't know that. In fact, there were times that I thought Zach Wilson looked more talented than Trevor Lawrence. Now, I understand what Trevor Lawrence was dealing with Mm -hmm. last season. And obviously, everything that happened with Urban Meyer and beyond could not have been helpful to Trevor Lawrence. Also, he didn't have any of the comforts around him. He didn't have good protection. He didn't have good help in the backfield. And he didn't have good weapons there in Jacksonville. So he wasn't exactly set up for success, even if the coaching staff hadn't been a complete mess for that organization last season. That being said, I think that he got a pass because of all those external factors. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to pan out in the NFL. I have no idea. I know what everybody said 
about him coming out of college. I know that he was a can't miss prospect. I remember all of that narrative with with him coming out of Clemson, but I don't know if he's going to pan out any better than Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson has an opportunity here to take a step above a player like that, right? Like when we're comparing Zach Wilson, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's not going to compete with Josh Allen within the division, but could he compete with Tua? Where's the bar set there? Could he compete with a Mac Jones? Where's the bar set there? I feel like that's a more realistic barometer when we're talking about Zach Wilson taking that next step. Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman, and Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's why I believe Trevor Lawrence will be a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. He's a more talented quarterback on the surface than Zach Wilson. And number two, he's got Doug Peterson, who can coach quarterbacks and who can dial up plays for that quarterback. He has a better coaching staff right now than the New York Jets have when it comes to Zach Wilson because Robert Salah is in his second year as a head coach. He's still trying to figure out things as a head coach, running a football team, time management, massaging egos, that whole nine. Doug Peterson has already done that to a Super Bowl championship level. If anything, Trevor Lawrence could not have picked a better guy moving on from the stench of Urban Meyer when you bring in a guy that has a championship and knows how to coach quarterbacks. He got Nick Foles out, play Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. That tells me all I need to know about Doug Peterson, what he can do to a guy that's far more talented when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. That being said, Zach Wilson has better weapons than Trevor Lawrence. There's no doubt about that right now on paper, what the New York Jets have been able to do in the offseason for mm-hmm. Zach Wilson. But in terms of talent, I've seen Trevor Lawrence elevate people's level at Clemson, where guys that were three stars play like four stars underneath them and play like five stars. I want to see if Zach Wilson can do that. It's a lot easier to do that at BYU when you don't get four or five-star guys. You can band together and do that at BYU. But in the NFL, can you do that when they put guys like that around Zach Wilson with Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, and Elijah Moore? If he can't raise their level then that's an issue for the New York Jets. I've seen a lot of guys be able to do it in college, though, and not be able to do it in the pros. Oh, that's fair. To your point about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Zach Wilson's wide receiver room is going to be better than Trevor Lawrence's. He's got better weapons than Trevor Lawrence. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Zach Zach Wilson's biggest issue is accuracy. Like He has shown that he has the arm strength. He has shown that he has the physical accolades. Accuracy was a huge problem last season. Accuracy was even a bigger problem for Trevor Lawrence. Right? You're talking about the most interceptions Mm -hmm. in the NFL last season tied maybe with Matthew Stafford actually I don't have the stats in front of me but that 17 stat I think was actually tied with Stafford which is funny to think about when Stafford went on to win a Super Bowl but Trevor Lawrence has bigger accuracy issues than even Zach Wilson so again if we're comparing those two guys I don't actually know who's going to pan out better the whole reason that we believe more in Trevor Lawrence is simply because of his collegiate career not because we've seen anything more from him in the NFL than we've seen from Zach Wilson up to this point I think Trevor Lawrence's accuracy issues was because he was trying to force the ball downfield the guys that couldn't get open and that lack of protection. I saw Zach Wilson play point guard in terms of he threw better bounce passes than Steph Curry at times <laughs> and the wide receivers. That's the problem I have with Zach Wilson. I know the, the arm strength, the arm talent is no question when it comes to Zach Wilson. He can make those 50, 60-yard throws down the field and hit guys and say, Zach, put it right here in the top line in the palm of my hand. He can do that 60 yards away. You got to do it from five yards away. You got to do it from 10 yards away. And Trevor Lawrence was better at that last year than Zach Wilson. So if you got the kind of guys now, you get them a short pass and they can take it a long way, be accurate with the football for your Zach Wilson because, like you mentioned, their wide receiver room with the Jets, their running back room with the Jets is better than the running back room with Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But if Trevor Lawrence is accurate, then guys can make plays. 
if Zach Wilson's not accurate, then that's a bad, bad deal for the Jets and not just on the offensive side of the football. Scouts will tell you that Wilson's issue with the accuracy might be that he lacks natural instincts. And if that's mm. true, oh boy. then your team's in trouble with the New York Jets. A quarterback lacking natural instincts with the New York Jets. Where have I heard that song and dance before <laughs> with my football team? Keyshawn, J. Will and Max with Freddie Cohen and Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Get renter's insurance to protect the things that make your place a home, including coverage for theft or damage. All you got to do is visit Progressive.com. Now, time for another Camp Confidential on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, the New York Giants. And speaking of quarterback issues, yeah, that brings us to the New York Giants and their guy, Daniel Jones. And with Brian Dable in his first year as head coach, former Buffalo Bills offense coordinator, let's bring in an FOS friend of the show. Jordan Renan does a great job as an ESPN Giants reporter joining us here on Keyshawn J. Will and Max with Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson. And I'll start right there in terms of Brian Dable as a head coach. When it comes to him so far, Jordan, what have you seen about your first impressions of him being in charge of an NFL team? Yeah, I mean, you just see a more modern offense. I mean, that was always the knock on Jason Garrett, right? Very little motion, very little creativity. And now you have Brian Dable, who we've seen in Buffalo over the past few years develop this offense that, um, you know, is right for the era, right? I mean, for this time. like uh, So you really do see a difference in the offense that the Giants are going to run. And he's just a personable guy. You could talk to him. You, just, you spend like five minutes with Brian Dable, and I have, and you just come away thinking, man, this guy just he has a lot of energy. He just seems like a, a nice guy, a guy you, you could talk to, and uh, that'll help uh, with the, you know, forging relationships with players and, you know, keep keeping that strong because that seems to be something that when the losing started, the last few regimes, it started to break down, and that's when uh, the cracks start to show, right? And everyone's great, Freddie when you're undefeated and you're zero and zero. <laughs> but when, you know, the you-know-what hits the fan, that's when things get tough and those relationships really get tested. Everything's great when you're zero and zero. Everything's also great in training camp. But it's that time of year, Jordan, where we overreact to things that we see in training camp. So give us what you've seen yep. from Daniel Jones in training camp so far. Can he succeed under Dayball's offense? Yeah, I mean – can I be wishy-washy and take the out here and say, sure. I don't know. He's been up and down. There's been good and bad. So there's good signs and there's bad signs. Like the offense started slow the last couple of days, though. Uh, they looked a lot better. I mean, and this is kind of what you expect when you're installing a new offense. But Daniel Jones has a lot of ability. He has a lot of skills. He can make, he can make every throw. He can move. He can run the ball. You see them you know, designing plays where – they're designing runs like they did, you know, at times for Josh Allen in, in Buffalo. So he has that part of his game. There's a lot he can do. The question is, when things break down, when that pocket's, you know, collapsing on him, can he stay calm and can he avoid making those mistakes? Now, if you look at his numbers, Daniel Jones has limited, you know, the, the turnovers per game. You know, it started at a ridiculous rate, close to two a game, you know, in his first year. His second year got to about one and a half. His third year got to a little under, you know, un, under one turnover a game. I mean, now we're at like Matt Ryan range throughout his career for the most part, which, you know, I think the Giants can stomach. But the problem is, then you got to balance it with, but he didn't make the big plays anymore. Like the big plays that he had the first year, those were gone. So can he keep the turnover number down at the same time while making plays? So 
I think we've seen some flashes throughout it this summer. Again, there's optimism. And as John Maris said, you know, we've tried in every way possible to screw up this kid <laughs> in regards to not having a competent offensive line. This is his fourth coordinator in four years. So a little stability here should help, uh, but it might take time because it's a new regime and a new offense, and it's still not the greatest supporting cast around him. And that's the real question, Amber. How much time does he really have? Because he's yeah. on the last year of his deal. Yeah, no doubt. He's under that kind of pressure of being the Giants quarterback, trying to succeed with all that going on. Jordan Renan, ESPN Giants reporter. Hit him on Twitter at Jordan Renan, joining Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson, part of Keyshawn J. Max on ESPN Radio. Another Straight from your show, by the way, Freddie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we talk about waking up early to do it. They're wondering where you've been. They're yeah. wondering where you've been yeah. over there. Yeah, I've been, it's in been the, a while. I've been in the witness relocation program when it comes to filling in through, <laughs> throughout during the day, having a chance to do that. But Saquon Barkley is tired of being in a witness relocation program when it comes to being a running back. How has he looked so far in camp, and how much of a bounce back year could be there for him? Yeah, I, I, I keep referring to this as the redemption season for Saquon because, trust me. Saquon Barkley is taking names of people who are doubting him. It's kind of the first time in his professional and collegiate life that Saquon Barkley has real doubters, right? I mean, it was always just he was amazing at Penn State. He came into the league. He was this, you know, generational talent. He tore apart the league his rookie year. Everybody was telling him how great he was, you know, and I've had this conversation with him. And now he says, you know, if you're, if you're on the other side of the table, make sure you stay there, Uh-oh. right? So to me, when he says that, it means he's, he, he hears it. He's admitted he's heard it. You know, in the past, he's had to sort of make up those doubters, right? Because that's what guys do to create motivation. But now they're real. So he ha- and he's in the final year of his deal also. So this is an opportunity for him, right? And, and, and this, is, this, it, this is an opportunity that's not going to come anymore. This is a one-time thing for him. He's in his, you know, fifth year in the NFL. Like it's now or never, right? That that big deal, that big contract, or any sort of like big contract. Like if he doesn't have a good year this year, it's not coming. Like this is it. So this is a big year for Saquon Barkley. And the positive is when you look at him on the field, health-wise, he looks great, right? And last year, if you think about it. He's spending all his time. At this point last year, he's still not even cleared. He's coming off the ACL injury. So he spent all last offseason, you know, rehabbing. This offseason, he got to do, you know, train to play. So I think that's a big difference. And you're seeing him be used in different ways. I think we're going to see Saquon Barkley significantly more this season as a pass receiver, uh, mid, you know, mid intermediate routes and, and down the field than we have in the past, which I think I think it help him a lot because that's part of that skill set that makes him special is that he can do a lot as a receiver. So Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones might be the past for the Giants after this season. Let's get Giants fans excited, though, potentially about the future, maybe. How big of an impact do you think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to have on this defense? Oh, a huge impact. I mean, he's immediately slotted into a starting role. He's going to play. He's going to be their basically number one primary pass rusher. So, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of Kayvon Thibodeau. You see him already doing a lot of a lot of disruption at practice. And I think, look, he's the fifth overall pick in this defense with Wink Martindale. You're going to see him all over the place. You'll use in all different spots and try to create matchups where 
they think he can be successful. So to be a young player at this point of his progression and to have that usage, I think that's a positive for him and to have that role because he's going to get every opportunity possible to get after that opposing quarterback. And trust me, the Giants and Giants fans are starving for a big pass. It's been a while. And the Giants, when you think of the Giants, that's what you think of, right? Defense, you know, rushing the passer, the Lawrence Taylors of the world, Michael Strahan, OCU Minura, uh, Justin Tuck. Like, these are what you think of when you think of the Giants. And it's been a while since they've had it. it they've had one guy have double-digit sacks since 2015, and that was Marcus Golden. So, like, wow. Giants fans are craving for that big guy to get it, big pass rusher to get after the quarterback. And it looks like they have a chance to have that. Now, Thibodeau's a young guy. He's going to have to grow. I'm sure he'll go through growing pains. This league is a lot harder you know, than anything he's ever done before. So uh, it might take time, but just flashes. As long as they, you, you can get those flashes in this rookie year, I think everyone's going to love, and I, and I think you will. I, I think everyone's going to love what they get see from Kayvon Thibodeau. He always does a great job holding it down as an ESPN Giants reporter, and when he fills on Freddie Fitzsimmons, he's probably better than the usual guy that's usually hosting that show. He is Jordan Renan. Hit him on Twitter <laughs> at Jordan Renan, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Always a pleasure, brother, man. Keep it up, Jordan, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. You got it. Have a great show, guys. Sounds good with Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman, Wayne. Anytime you want to triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We want to find out from you which quarterbacks. It doesn't matter what year, who they are, what they are, who they play for. Which quarterbacks are in the best and worst positions to succeed? Your phone calls at eight 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 say ESPN. That is eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Hey, Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets, what's up? We'll tell you what's up after Amber has this from FanDuel. Amber does have this from FanDuel, Freddie. There's just FanDuel, and Amber has it from FanDuel. Start the second half of the baseball season the right way and turn strikes into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using promo code PLAY. Place your first bet and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in match bets if you don't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code PLAY to get started with your no sweat. First bet up to $1,000. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. 
Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. So, Kevin Durant, what's up with you and the Brooklyn Nets? With Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman, and Keyshawn J. Will and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as TuneIn. So, it wasn't that long ago, Amber Wilson, back on Memorial Day weekend, that all of a sudden Kevin Durant went to the Brooklyn Nets and said, you know what, deuces, I'm out of here. You guys better trade me. After Rudy Gobert got all that haul to go from Utah to Minnesota, and people thought that was going to be it, they were going to find a reason to have Kevin Durant. Here it is more than a month later, and Kevin Durant has not moved from the Brooklyn Nets. No trade partners out there, so Kevin Durant, Brooklyn Nets, what's up? You said it wasn't that long ago. It feels like a lifetime ago that Kevin Durant tried to force his way out of Brooklyn. It's been so quiet on that front. I've been doing shows the last couple of days with Nick Friedel, who covers the Brooklyn Nets for us here at ESPN. And mm-hmm. we've been laughing about how just little news there is, but there's yeah. such little news on the entire landscape of the NBA right now, Freddie, right? I mean, I was making fun of him because they've been leading NBA today with stories like Russell Westbrook's new agent, you know, because there's yeah. nothing to talk about right now. And Nick explained one of the reasons for that is everybody's on their mega yachts in the med. This is the time of year that everybody is traveling, particularly when you're talking about owners and front office execs. They don't have time to answer that phone and deal with potential trades right now for KD. So it's been really quiet on that front in part because the asking price has been too high. I, I think that we saw that. Now we know what happened with that Rudy Gobert trade that set the market. And if you get that kind of haul for Gobert, then what does a Kevin Durant command? Except for there's only so much any team can give away for Kevin Durant because he's not going to want to go somewhere that's not a contender. Right. So how do you give it all away but then still remain a contender that's an attractive destination for a superstar who you don't want to become disgruntled if you send him somewhere that he doesn't want to be? So there's that complicating factor, but then also it's just this time of year. It's the time of year that there's no movement because ain't nobody trying to work right now in the NBA. They've got better things to do, even in terms of acquiring Kevin Durant. They've got my ties to sip on their mega yachts. <laughs> I said when all this news broke and everybody's saying, well, they're going to move him, they're going to move him, they're going to get this, they're going to get that, yada, yada, yada. And I said, if nothing happens by August He's not going anywhere. Oh, can you say those kind of things? And you just mentioned one thing. They're not, they're not even thinking about that right now. They're enjoying their vacations because you're going to blink your eyes and training camps are going to start about a month from now when it comes to NBA rosters. But here's something else. And I've always been the kind of person that says you got to know the room. Maybe Kevin Durant has realized the room. It's one thing to say, I want out of here. It's another thing to look at it and say, if I go somewhere else, I'm starting over again. And I'm not going to be any closer to a championship than I'm right now at the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving, for all whatever you think about Kyrie Irving, when he's right, that guy can do some things in the basketball court. But other guys that were injured are going to be healthy. A guy like Joe Harris that can help spread the floor for the Brooklyn Nets. And you need shooters more than ever before in the NBA. Kevin Durant may have looked at the room and said, staying in this room is not a bad idea. Kyrie Irving has already said, I'm going to be here in Brooklyn whether Kevin Durant is here or not. I'm sure Kevin Durant probably went, what? After I go out and let him to say, wait, you treated my boy wrong and this is the thanks I get? 
Maybe Kevin Durant's like, look, it's better to have the devil you know than to worry about the devil you don't know and think about starting over and not being any closer to the championship somewhere else than with the Brooklyn Nets. Well, that all comes down to why does Kevin Durant want out? And we don't really know the answer to that question. We, we don't know answer. if he wants out because he's mad at the organization because the organization didn't pay Kyrie, didn't give him the extension he wanted. We don't know if he wants out because he's sick of playing with Kyrie. He's sick of Kyrie being part of or being in the part of the same organization as Kyrie where Kyrie's only showing up a portion of the time. I, we don't know if he wants out because he has no interest in playing alongside Ben Simmons and Kyrie and he doesn't think that they're going to be good enough and he wants more help around him I mean I don't really know why he Mm. wants out of Brooklyn New York and so so much of this comes down to that it all depends why he's requesting this trade to begin with if it's to win I mean sure presumably you're playing alongside Kevin or Kyrie Irving but the problem is KD and Kyrie were healthy last season in the playoffs a lot of people forget that now I understand they came in the eighth seed I understand what Kyrie did in terms of the regular season but by playoff time you had both those guys out there in the first round they were both healthy and they got swept by the Boston Celtics so that might give him reason for pause if he wants out to contend although Kyrie is a heck of a player when he shows up it still might not be enough and if KD doesn't believe that they're going to get anything out of Ben Simmons maybe he feels like he'd have a better opportunity somewhere else but that somewhere else may not have the opportunity to trade for him because Mm -hmm. you see how difficult it is. You saw how complicated it became with the Phoenix Suns. It seemed like KD wanted to go to Phoenix. The DeAndre Ayton situation happened. Phoenix would have a darn near impossible time now trading for Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant is maybe realizing the realities of trading for him. It's not that nobody is interested in getting Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. It's that he's that good of a player that it's that hard to acquire him right now because of the complicating factors. Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman, on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And I've always wanted this about Kevin Durant ever since he left to go to Golden State, and people crushed him for it. I didn't. He had a chance to improve his lot when it came to money, when it came to basketball winning championships. You can say it was a punk move, a weak move, believe me. My Aunt Marilyn, who lives in Long Island, we've argued about this for years, ever since he made that move, and she has been steadfast in saying, hey, it was a punk, and he's weak, and da-da-da, and all that stuff. Ever since he made that move, I've always wanted an answer to this question, what exactly does Kevin Durant want? Because you thought he would have had it, playing with the Golden State Warriors, when he's part of the Four Horsemen, him, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. He said he wanted to play basketball, that kind of highest level, playing beautiful basketball, and he did that. And that wasn't good enough. So now he makes the move to the Brooklyn Nets where he felt he had more in common from a personal standpoint with Kyrie Irving. And now here it is, not even, what, three years later, Amber, and we still don't have the answer to the question. What exactly does Kevin Durant want? Because for someone as accomplished as he has been in the NBA, from all intents and purposes, from my standpoint, he's not a bad guy at all. But what exactly does Kevin Durant want where it seems that he's in the best possible situations and it's still not enough for a guy to pedigree when it comes to Kevin Durant. I think he wants to quiet the noise, and he's never been able to do that. I think he thought he'd be able to do that if he won championships in Golden State. He won championships in Golden State. He's the finals MVP. He still wasn't able to quiet the noise because he joined a team that had won so many games before he even got there and had the success before he got there, so that didn't quiet the noise. Then he goes to Brooklyn to try to do it himself, blaze his own path. It doesn't quiet quiet the noise because, frankly, it's been a disaster so far, his tenure there in Brooklyn. I think Kevin Durant always wants to quiet the noise. The problem is he creates a lot of the 
the noise. Mm-hmm. He creates a lot of the noise with not just his his burner accounts and his social media responding, <laughs> but he creates the, the noise, frankly, with how he's conducted his career so far as well. well if you got to quiet the noise in your own head, then Kevin Durant, good luck to you because those noises keep driving you to places that you don't need to go and put you in situations where you don't need to be, especially with the Brooklyn Nets, and nothing has happened since he made those demands. And all is quiet on the Brooklyn Nets front. With Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman, thanks for joining us. And Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. And there's one team out there that Amber Wilson is not confident in the NFL having the same year as the last. So give you that as he gives you this from NetSuite. I do give you this from NetSuite because I'm ready for it this time. <laughs> you don't know your numbers. You don't know your business, especially in today's economy, but over 31,000 businesses do know their numbers because they use NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, planning, budgeting, and inventory so you can manage risk and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. See why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system right now. NetSuite is offering a one-of-the-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash KJM. NetSuite.com slash KJM. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'm going to preface this right now. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max and ESPN Radio. Freddie coming to Amber Wilson with, this is Pat Costello's fault, our producer. We had a whole conversation in terms of Amber, you know, having her protein. You know, you do a morning show. You got to make sure they got that extra impetus. And it went from her eating a banana to peanut butter and banana at the same time. Now, I'm not, not a peanut butter fan. Then we got into the jelly conversation, and Amber Wills had the audacity to say that orange marmalade is a better jelly than grape jelly. Pat Costello, Amber Wilson, this is Pat's fault. Hold on. Might be the worst take. The worst take in the history of this show, and that's saying something. something. Well, hold on. But uh, you had the audacity to say that grape jelly is the best jelly. It is. It is. is. There's no doubt about that. 
There's a ton of doubt about it because it's completely untrue. Grape jelly. No, it's not. Is maybe the worst of the jellies. How? First of all, how's it work? Jelly, jelly generally is just abysmal compared to jam. Okay, so I I disagree with that completely. Wrong, but continue. What do you mean? You guys like fake fruit spread, which is essentially jelly. What jelly is, rather than jam, which is the purity of fruit. There's a lot of fake going on chunks in it. There's a lot of fake going on the peanut butter that you like to eat too, by the way. Uh, this hey, this peanut butter. I'm showing it to you right now in the Zoom. It is all natural, baby. Natural peanut butter, so creamy. They say. Although I prefer chunky, but I only had creamy in the house. Uh, yeah. So, so you, back let, to the let me jam get this conversation. Right. Wait, real quick, let me get this. If you're making a peanut butter sandwich, you want chunky peanut butter with chunky jam. Yes. That's oh my still, goodness. That is yes. disgusting. This is heaven, Pat. Chunky peanut butter with uh, strawberry jam. Let's no. go or fruit jam or yes, I would. Now I'm not going to mix orange marmalade with peanut butter. God orange marmalade you. goes more with actual butter, but I'm going to take any of that over grape jelly any day of the week. Listen, you can you can argue between like grape jelly and strawberry or whatever, but certainly it's not orange marmalade not orange or whatever marmalade. garbage that uh, Amber's that's a, eating. That's the kind there. of thing you get a cracker bar when they run out of grape jelly. What is going on? Clearly, y'all weren't raised by a British mother like I was. Orange marmalade. Well, there you go. Now we got a cultural thing here because we were raised by American mothers who know more than British mothers when it comes (laughs) to grape jelly and grape jam and all those kind of orange marmalade things. No, the Brits know much more about jam than we do over here. And what they do know is that grape jelly is some fake stuff. I mean, grape jelly, it doesn't even taste like grape-flavored anything. doesn't actually taste like real grapes. What is that? That's not a flavor that exists. Welch's grape soda tastes exactly like grapes. It doesn't taste anything like grapes. Yeah, it does compared to... Drink wine, Freddie, like an adult. That's grapes. That's that's definitely a cultural (laughs) thing. You got to the alcohol portion of the program when it comes to Britain and the United States, but still, orange marmalade. Ugh, no, thank you. Now, time for another Camp Confidential on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the Cincinnati Bengals. When we last left our heroes, known as the Cincinnati Bengals, they were this close to winning that Super Bowl. A lot of fans thinking that was not a holding penalty, but I digress. But either way, a lot of attention regarding the Cincinnati Bengals going into 2022 in the NFL. With Amber Wilson, I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Let's bring our friend Tony Pike from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Talk about the Bengals, who last year were the hunter, and now they are the hunted when it comes to the AFC. But I'm going to start, Tony, with Joe Burrow. He had surgery last week to to remove his appendix. How's he recovering from that? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a process because when this first happened, you had every expert in America coming out and saying <laughs> it'll be one week, it'll be two, four to six weeks. Uh, yesterday, for the second time, he showed up at practice riding around on a golf cart. And I know it doesn't sound like much, but the fact that Joe Burrow is back in the facility, he's riding around at practice does bring a lot of hope around this Cincinnati Bengals team, but there's not a ton of urgency around Joe Burrow. Look, at his his first normal offseason to this point. He had a major knee surgery on one offseason, and the other was COVID. So he got a full offseason, and he's coming off the Super Bowl run. Right now, his health is all that matters. So there's no rush to get Joe Burrow back. I think everyone's pretty confident with what Joe Burrow is for this Bengals organization. So it sounds like there's no real timetable right now to get Joe Burrow back. 
However, this team might be under a timetable in terms of expectations this season. My guess is that the fans now have raised the bar with their expectations after just seeing their team in a Super Bowl this past season. How is this team handling those high expectations? Well, for me, that's the biggest question going into camp around this team because there's not really a ton of position battles other than left guard. Everything is kind of set. Mm -hmm. They have this young nucleus that's ready to explode for another season. So I go back to last year's training camp. Look at this team. Joe Burrow was coming off a knee injury. They had just moved on from Carl Lawson, and we didn't know what Trey Hendrickson was going to be. They bring in a Wouzier for William Jackson, and they were coming off a four-win season. So the expectation was get better. Uh, let's see if Zach Taylor is the guy. Fast forward to this year, you know Zach Taylor's the guy. They don't have a ton of questions around the roster. So how do they handle the expectations? How can they build in intensity in these different practices? Because you are coming off an AFC championship. You don't have a ton of questions around the roster. I think it's important for this team to take it day by day. Zach Taylor talks about culture and accountability all the time with this team, and he's going to rely on that to make sure they handle this, knowing that they're now the hunted in the AFC. Hit him on Twitter, Tony underscore Pike 15 for an NFL quarterback, now host of Cincy 360 and ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Tony Pike joining Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson and Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio. What is that like for you, Tony? Because normally going into the season, people look at Cincinnati and go, oh, here we go again. What is that like for you going into the season? People are like, oh boy, the Cincinnati Bengals, it's not here we go again with this team. It's, it's hard because fans in Cincinnati, they rally around winning. And for years, you know, the dynamic in Cincinnati has been um, get to the, the promised land, make the playoffs, and they fall short. Or they put together those, these bad seasons or they get a couple bad breaks. Now all of a sudden in Cincinnati, we talk about the Bengals as the model franchise, right? We're talking wow. about the Cincinnati Reds are struggling this year. Everyone says, well, the Reds need to follow the Bengals method. And that, that, that never <laughs> happened in Cincinnati before. So the fact that there are so many looking to the Bengals and saying, man, that's, that's how you build an organization. Because, yes, they went to the Super Bowl, but they didn't buy themselves to the Super Bowl where you deplete all of your draft picks and your young talent. This is a team that essentially was a, a year ahead of schedule that goes to the Super Bowl. And as long as I've been around, I've never, never remembered a, a more just an excited buildup to a season than what this camp has brought for the fans here in Cincinnati around this team. You mentioned there, Tony, that Joe Burrow has no timetable in terms of his return from that appendix surgery. It seems like ultimately that's not a big deal. We're talking about expectations for this team. What are the expectations for Joe Burrow this season? Obviously, he has set the bar very high. Most people consider him one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL already in an early point in his career. Can he actually continue to improve this season? Is that what's expected? Yeah, the, the scary thing is it feels like he's just scratching the surface. And I know that's crazy because wow. of the season he put up last year. But as I said earlier, look, Joe Burrow's first season with the Bengals was the COVID offseason. Everything was virtual. Think about how a rookie quarterback coming into the NFL, you're trying to learn a new system, the verbiage, the formations, and a lot of stuff was virtual. And then you go to year number two for Joe Burrow. He comes off this total 
reconstructive knee surgery. So what does the offseason hold? He couldn't really throw. He couldn't run. He couldn't move. And he, he takes the NFL world by storm. So for me, Joe Burrow, after the Super Bowl, for the first time, got a normal offseason. He was able to rest. He was able to get with receivers. He was able to work on anything that he wanted. Didn't take a lot of time off. When he took vacations, he took his trainer with him. He has been locked in all offseason. So the, the belief when you surround a quarterback like Joe Burrow with Tyler Boyd, uh, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, they brought in Hayden Hurst, which is a big under-the-radar signing. They revamped the offensive line, and Joe Mixon's going to run behind his best offensive line. The expectations are for Joe Burrow to take a step forward because of those around him and because he's just that talented as a quarterback. I'm Tony Pike from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max with Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson. So with all that being said, and it seems that that kind of pressure is not going to make this team wilt. What are the chances that the Bengals could win the AFC North again and maybe repeat what we saw last year in the playoffs? Well, the AFC North for me is is a two-horse race if you look at everything that's going on with Cleveland and where Pittsburgh is. And I'll never, I'll never just put Pittsburgh out of the equation because they don't have any losing seasons under Mike Tomlin. But mm-hmm. I do think this comes down to the Baltimore Ravens, who had a very good offseason. They're healthy. They were decimated by injuries last year. But if you look at what Joe Burrow did against the Ravens last year, there's no reason to think that he's not going to be able to, to simulate that again against the AFC North. So the expectations are that the Bengals can remain AFC North champions. And as we've seen in years past, if you can do that and just get your ticket to the postseason, you know, I, I equate it to how a lot of people feel about Tampa and Tom Brady. If you feel that you can get to the postseason and you have Joe Burrow as a quarterback, you're going to feel like you have a chance. And, and those are certainly the expectations. It's going to be a lot harder now that the target is on your back. It's going to be a lot harder because they have the third hardest schedule in football. But the expectations are, again, to win the AFC North for the Bengals. Tony Pike never thought he would have to utter these words in his lifetime. The Cincinnati Bengals are a model organization at City, but that's exactly where <laughs> right. we are right now when it comes to them, and they've done so much good that that's not going to stop anytime soon. Great stuff, Tony. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Get ready for the season. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Tony Pike from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. And, he, and normally if somebody said that, Amber, out loud about the Bengals being a model organization, it's just he, 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 and all over the place. When he said that, you and I went, yeah, that does make sense. It's amazing how that has flipped in the matter of two years ever since Joe Burrow got there. I mean, what a difference a quarterback can make, right? That's really yeah. the real difference with the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals organization. And and you heard him say it there, Tony, say it there. I mean, there's not really any position questions on this team. There's yeah. not really battles going on in training camp. This is a team that's pretty set coming off of a really successful season last season, obviously, and has really high expectations as they head into this season, a, a new uncharted waters uh, for Cincinnati Bengals fans, at least yeah. in recent memory. Yeah, Joe Burrow told everybody who wanted to hear it when he was drafted, he said, yeah, I want to be here. And all he's done in two years is shown exactly why the Bengals are very fortunate that he is there and not some where else. You got four teams in the AFC West, but it's still the division of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's next on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. 
Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.